welcome to That Reality Show, the podcast where we take reality stars and find out what's really real. This week we have celeb go dating star Tom Reed Wilson. Coming up, there'll be a bit of this. Enthusiasm is having God inside you, and not in a filthy way. <laughs> a bit of that. He is a human feast. <laughs> and a little bit more of this. I think that as many as 50% of people in the UK are in relationships simply because they don't know how to be out of them. He's Stephen Bailey. And she's Brennan Reese. And this is that is reality that reality show. We'll never get that right. Episode six. We've got a brilliant guest this this week, haven't we? But before that, Stephen, because you're in London and I'm in Manchester, <laughs> and we're joining our balls together over the internet. Tell me what you've been up to. It's boring, isn't it? Lockdown is so boring. I'm going mad. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm dropping glasses and, and stuff on the floor, so I've got stuff to do. Like, do you know where you're like? Do you know what? I think I'm going to have an argument for a laugh. <laughs> you having a tantrum? I've had tantrums, and sometimes we on the toilet seat, just just so I've got something to do. <laughs> so just, you have to wipe it up. <laughs> I, I can't cope with it. I, I need to. I need a hug off someone that's not my girlfriend. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. My poor boyfriend is the nicest man alive, but I am pushing him to the brink just so I have someone to have a row with. Because then you can have a row, and then you have to get over the row, and then you have to make up, and then there's like two days. So how are you making up? I just want to know that in quite a lot of detail, please. Just giving a Tanya Bartley blosser. <laughs> <laughs> I know how to do them now, thanks to her. <laughs> <laughs> she give you an actual step-by-step. <laughs> you were sat right there. I know, I had to watch all of it. It was horrible. You were creaming your knickers. So apart from... Um, Touching your boyfriend's witch. What have you been doing to keep yourself occupied this week? Do you know, today, I'd love him to be a guest, but I think we're not famous enough for him to be a guest. I did Matt Wright's Instagram Live workout. <laughs> oh, like one of these ones, like a Joe Wicks one, where you have to copy what he's doing? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And do you know what? I did it thinking, this'll do nothing. This won't work off the Battenberg I ate yesterday. It bloody did. I had to have a sit-down for ten minutes before I got in the shower. I, oh, you've been having showers. I had a shower since about March, I think. No point, not seeing anyone. Maybe um, we're in lockdown then. <laughs> maybe we should start doing a um, an online workout for people. But the like way a real you like one. to do it. Yeah, where you sort of like dunk a digestive, you put it in your mouth, you get another one, then you rip open a bag of crisps. That's a workout. I hear you, because you know what as well, quite frankly... It was, I really enjoyed it, but Matt Wright is already fit and in shape. So yeah, it's like, not, it's not that bad for him. And also, if your girl's, girlfriend or wife's Michelle Keegan, you're not going to, you're not going to be eating Pop-Tarts for breakfast, are you? No, but we are, isn't it? Yeah, that's because we've only got each other. Oh, we've, that's not true. You've got a dog. <laughs> I'm really excited to talk to Tom, you know. Oh, yeah, because I only know a little bit about him. You know more about him. Um, So what's what's he from? 
So he's from Celebs Go Dating. And on E4. He is on E4, and he is the receptionist. But really, you don't need the rest of the show. You could just have Tom sat at a table. He is so funny. And also, we're going to get really thrown and be shown uh, like stupidity in this podcast because he can form the most beautiful sentences I've ever heard. You won't understand half the sentences, but they are English. Oh, I'm excited then. So, Stephen, introduce this bit of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So here's our catch-up with Mr. Tom Reed-Wilson. Tom, I want to take you back to the beginning because, well, not the beginning, beginning. Very good place to start. (laughs) (laughs) Because we know you from Celebs Go Dating and we kind of want to know how did all of this come about? Because you're brilliant and you're going to take over, you know, you're going to have your late night chat show. I can feel it. But how did you get, how did you get there? Well, it's the most curious, convoluted story. It really is. I I left the Royal Academy of Music and I spent the whole of my 20s touring up and down the country, all over the place in The Cat in the Hat as the eponymous character and in rep. And I was doing a repertory season, as my dad says, living off the smell of an oily rag. I mean, I was absolutely (laughs) brassy. (laughs) And I thought, oh, come on, you know, you're nearly 30. You need to penetrate the upper echelon somehow. So I decided in secret while doing this play, which was a terrible murder mystery play. I was a suspect. It was called Sweet Revenge. It was dreadful. (laughs) And I decided to secretly audition for The Voice. And I did. And then I had about five or six recalls. And I got on the show. And I didn't tell a soul and I went on and I flopped terribly in front of the judges. But the show itself was terribly generous to me. And they, when it was cut, they played my whole interview, my whole backstory. There was sort of eight minutes of me. And a lovely casting lady called Frankie Nichol saw it. And she was in the process of casting Celebs Go Dating. And um, she rang me and she said, oh, you know, we want to have two very earnest dating agents who give real formal, helpful advice. But we also want to have a kind of a third character who is, um, you know, sort of an agony aunt and a ear, a shoulder, a bosom. And I said, well, I've got all of those. <laughs> and so I went in and I had a chat with them and then they said, yes, let's do it. And they said, you know, it's quite It was liberating in a way because nobody was steering me. I had no voice in my ear, no direction, nothing. And they said to me, um, you know, if we don't like it, you'll just end up on the cutting room floor, which is enormously liberating because you think, well, I can't really go wrong in that case. You know, if if I'm not good, then I won't be in it. And um, so I had enormous fun and everything else really came from that then slowly I began to panel harp on things like celebrity juice and eight out of ten cats and start to do some radio work on capital and five live and it just all began to diversify and get a little bit richer um and 
I loved it. I find it all so stimulating. I can't tell you. You know, it really does make the grey cells oscillate and the synapses snap. Because how do you feel, like, a lot of people, especially the people from, like, the musical theatre world or the, the acting world, look down on things like reality TV, and it's completely changed your life. It's done the same for us, really, and it's a thing we love. Yeah. How do you feel about it when people sort of shit on reality TV? Well, it's a curious thing, really, because... I, when I left acting, um, you know, I always think there are two kinds of actors. There are the kings and queens of metamorphosis, people like Claire Foy and Meryl Streep, who you can barely see when they truly transmogrify into another character. Then you have ones like Judy Dench and Maggie Smith and um, Julie Andrews, who they sparkle and they're very intelligent and that's what you go to see them for really you know you always see them but their their delivery of a line and their timing make them so delicious that you want to watch them and oh my god i was then going to say i'm in the latter category and that's so <laughs> but i'm more i'm more like that you know i was never a great uh, metamorphoser into character. And so I always thought my duty as an actor was really to tell a story. And when I moved into television, I thought I'm doing exactly the same thing. I'm just communicating messages and telling stories. The only real difference is that this story hasn't been written for me by a wonderful writer. The stories are my own. You know, I'm, I'm telling my own anecdotes from my own life. Um, much like you guys do, you know, and fashioning them to be appropriate for whatever setting I'm in, whether it be a panel show or um, or uh, celebs go dating where I'm just conversing with people. You're not plagued with cabin fever, are you? No, I'm all right today. Are you? Good. I'm fine. Mine spiked horribly around the first week. And actually, it's been a slow diminuendo since then. <laughs> Hi, Tom. Oh, I love you. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> I, I thought I'd chip in because you've used, like, within about 30 seconds, you've used the word I don't even know. <laughs> what's, a, what's a diminuendo? <laughs> diminuendo, it's... Um, a lovely musical word. Uh, it's the opposite of a crescendo. Oh, I thought you had it's something to do with an innuendo. Long, incomplete triangles, and the diminuendo is one facing uh, the point, if you like. And a crescendo is facing away from the point. <laughs> I'm sorry if you hear hammering. I've got something going on downstairs. <laughs> um, <laughs> I need to add, it's not my goings on or my downstairs. Oh God, Tom! Oh, this has already made my week better. I already like I've been miserable all day, and now I'm doing a little smile, which has not happened in bloody oh. ages. Oh, I wish I could see your beaming countenance. <laughs> it's so funny just being sort of hovering disembodied voices, isn't it? I feel like a spectre. I know. I Because, I, like, one of the things is, like, obviously I know what you look like. And 
weirdly enough, yeah. we were at a virtual house party together a, f- a few, maybe a week or so ago. But yes, for Shui's birthday. Yeah, but I like. Isn't it weird that, like, in my head, I can if I didn't know what you look like, I could paint a picture, and I think it looks exactly the way that you do. <laughs> but do you know? I don't think you would think that in reverse because. Um, when I'm on the radio, people say, who's that? Anna Blackman, Fenella Fielding? <laughs> and I say, no, <laughs> A, they're all dead. Um, <laughs> B, I am, in fact, a 33-year-old man. <laughs> but it's the same with companies, too. They ring me and they say, um, could you put Mr. Reed Wilson on, please? And I say, yes, speaking. And <laughs> they refuse to believe that I'm male. Even, actually, funnily enough, um, my dad... Uh, very recently, just before the election, I was asked to do um, a voiceover for Channel 4 um, to galvanize young people into registering to vote. And it was originally done by June Whitfield, and I think they'd forgotten that she died. <laughs> um, so they had this thing of all these comedians talking about um, the first time they voted and made to sound as though they were talking about losing their virginity. And it was very funny. And then she had the concluding line of, um, it's time to pop your voting cherry or something lovely like that. And so they realized that she popped her clogs and pulled me in. And, um, I told my dad, because he's not normally very proud of my work, but he's quite (laughs) politicized. So he liked that. And, um, and so the following day, he texted our family WhatsApp group and um, he said, I found the video of Tom being very witty on this uh, uh, election campaign. And I pressed play and it was June Whitfield. <laughs> and I said, Daddy, you've mistaken a 91-year-old dead actress for your own son. <laughs> you know, I can handle it when people do it on Twitter, but you... Because you always seem, like, so, like, sprightly, which is another word I've recently learned, and just, like, happy, full of energy. In times... Full of beans and back. Like now, when it's, you know, we're all just sat at home, going a bit crazy. Do you have, like, days when you're a bit, like, not really feeling it? Um, I do, but I have a wonderful assortment of pills. (laughs) (laughs) They change me very quickly. No, I, uh, do you know, um, I always say that whether it's virtual or whether it's real, um, your first exchange of the day is what sets you up. Because Aristotle said, you know, we're first and foremost social animals. And I think that's absolutely true. And I think that that will determine the, the, the path of your day. And curiously, that can be a little bit of a performance, but after that performance, it becomes absolutely true. So I think that first, if you are, if you get out on the wrong side of bed and you meet somebody and you're just not really feeling it, as you say, but then you decide to put on that performance for that specific exchange, as soon as they respond in kind to your positive energy, it becomes instantly real. And then, for the remainder of the day, you can float on that wave of positivity. Um, it, it's an amazing thing, because it's 
the artifice is minuscule if you do have a bad day because it it's just as long as another person takes to change it and then it's done. Tom, oh I love that outlook so much. It's kind of like, do you know what it reminds me of? It's like when RuPaul says, um, we're all born naked and the rest is drag. Yes. Yes, I completely agree. And I mean, if you think about it, um, you know, it, it is about that kind of assembly of self. Um, a ladybird, for example, is really a beetle in drag. It's just a beetle. It's just a very prettily adorned beetle. It's a beetle so that's true. decided to be a bit more colourful. It's the My same with, like, me moths oh. and butterflies, isn't it? Like, people go, oh, I hate moths, they're horrible. It's just a gothic butterfly. Um, but then <laughs> people love a butterfly because it's got a bit of, you know, eyeliner on. Oh, do you know, I must tell you something about butterflies. You might think me absolutely heinous <laughs> after this. But I went to a Damien Hirst exhibition, who's doing lots of new art, by the way, because of uh, lockdown. He's feeling very inspired. But anyway, I, I love him. And I went to one of his exhibitions at the Tate Modern for a date, because I'm a big believer in going to galleries for dates, because they stimulate constant talk and I mean, with me, you just put a penny in the slot machine anyway, but <laughs> it's a lovely way to kind of talk out of people. And we went to this exhibition, and the, at the heart of the exhibition was an enclosed chamber of white with sugared walls and fruit bowls on a table filled with butterflies of every imaginable breed. And it was just dazzling. I felt like Mary Poppins. And my date refused to go in. He said he was terrified of butterflies. And I'm afraid, I thought, I cannot countenance being with a gentleman who's terrified of butterflies. I just think they're ravishingly beautiful. So I deliberately, he was already, you couldn't really put a pin in the ennui. And I decided to spite him to stay in there for seven minutes and then afterwards, we dined, and he ordered a four-cheese pizza. And I just thought, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. I just could not penetrate the ennui. Tom, who is your ideal man? Oh, that's a very good question. Mm. I love, physically, I love wildly different to me. You know, I always think that two-thirds of beauty lies in fascination in a funny old way. And it's that kind of post-coital thing of trying to map their features and thinking, oh, how you put together. So anything like, you know, red hair and freckles or a different race or anything like that, I find fascinating. I could just study them in Terminably, and find it so beautiful and dazzling. Um, and then in terms of personality, a, a similar thing, really. I quite like slightly bashful people. I quite like slightly sort of, um, I like very calm, very sort of stately, gentle, stoic people because I have none of those traits. <laughs> so... I'm so drawn to anything that I don't see in me. Any sort of reflection of me, I'm instantly turned off. Not in a chum, but in a lover. You've just got such a <laughs> wonderful 
way with words. Like, if someone asked me that, I would have just gone, blonde. But you've gone for, like, a whole <laughs> beautiful, like, chapter. Words take such a left turn sometimes, so unexpectedly. I mean, testicle is a fine example. <laughs> the, the root testis, the Latin root testis, means witness. And it very logically finds itself in testify and testimony and uh, testament, all those words that really are talking about witnessing. And then you think, well, what's testicle got to do with it? Well, your testicles are little witnesses to semen secretion. <laughs> so it's a very tenuous link. <gasps> we must tell our other story, Danny, about your plane phobia and how close we got out oh. of sheer undiluted necessity. Is this, yes. is this the moment where you realised that you sort of had an intrigue for ginger men with freckles and you wanted to sort of really get involved in that? <laughs> we joined the Mile well, High I... Club. <laughs> <laughs> we did. I never had my hand clasped so tightly. All of my fingertips were purple. But... um because Stephen has a sort of abject fear of flying. And he did tell me this right before we uh, took off. And he said, you know, I may need to hold your hand. And he gripped my hand. But we played games the whole way, didn't we? And we had a very sweet, very entertaining air steward who was... loved us on that flight so much. And they were just telling us everything that was wrong with the airlines, wasn't they? Oh, they were. Oh, they were so kind. And equally on the way back. And we had lovely Radzi Chinyanganya as well, didn't we? On the we way did. back. <laughs> Honestly. And there's an awful lot of him. He is a human feast. <laughs> he is. <laughs> Honest to God, I saw Tom's eyes melt over Radzi during our time in the airport. Oh, I simply adore him. He's he's witty. He's got this incandescent intellect. He's so hot on his current affairs. It's really quite dazzling. He and reminds me of so you kind. in a way, though. Oh, but I think that he's got this sort of gravitas, which I could never have. I'm sort of frivolous and fluffy, and he's sort of got real weight and authority. Oh, I just don't think there's anything he could tell me to do that I wouldn't do. (laughs) He's just, he's so commanding. What about things like if he went, go and wash the pots? Would you be like, I'll do it? Oh, yes, no, in a heartbeat. I'm afraid I'd be utterly subservient. Because do you find that, obviously, being involved with, like, a dating show, that people want to, like, set you up with people? Or do you, are you sort of, like good at taking care of yourself? Well, it's a curious thing. I think, now, this sounds a rather bleak thing to say, and I promise that this will be the only bleak thing that I say uh, my whole time guesting. But I think that as many as 50% of people in the UK are in relationships simply because they don't know how to be out of them. And I think, curiously the best place to start a relationship from is being completely happy as a solo enterprise. And I am that, actually. You know, the thing is, 
what you really want to feel with a parallel is that they're the icing to an already very moist sponge. You don't want them to be the eggs in your back. I'm so sorry. You don't want to feel like you wouldn't rise or be bakeable at all without them because they're the eggs in your batter. You you want to be a lovely moist cake and then they're the lovely royal icing that just completes it, but you're just as moist and lovely without it. It's it's just a nice addition. And so if you feel like that, if you feel sort of holy and sieve-like without your uh, paramour, then I think you're in trouble and I think that you'll treat the relationship wrongly because you won't have parity, and parity is key between paramours. I feel oh. like your your answers. It's like I've rung like a posh babe station, where like they're so they're, like it's lovely. Um, what do you even say? Like they're like lovely thoughts and ideas, and like you go, oh, maybe I should live my life that way. But also, they sound a bit sexual, and I'm like questioning every life choice I've ever made. <laughs> Ah. Oh, golly gee. <laughs> I guess, like, your job offers now, they've, like, changed from the, the time when you were, like, doing musical theatre and stuff like that. Do you get offered a lot of reality shows? Yes, um, I, I suppose I do. Uh, my rule of thumb is... If I have a functional role or if there's something, then I'll do it. But otherwise, I, I won't do it. Um, and what's so lovely in Celebs Go Dating is that no one's remotely interested in my private life. You know, anything that I share is entirely elective because my role is a, is a functional one, which is very liberating in a way because, you know, I am a sharer anyway. You know, I... Um, could be very candid with you if you so wish. I mean, I already have, but um, it's entirely elective, you know, and that's the important thing, I think. I think we both just lent in then when we were like, you're going to be as candid as you want. <gasps> Brilliant. Right. <laughs> send send <laughs> us some nudes now. Because uh, what, what... Haven't you got them? And I, I didn't sign for them at the post this morning. WhatsApp full of them. <laughs> oh, you're sending them via didn't. WhatsApp. I wanted an actual print for the wall. Oh, I see. Yeah, just oh, an well, A2 I print see. for my house. I'm afraid that uh, it doesn't lend itself to blowing up. Because <laughs> <laughs> are, are you um, are you in a relationship now? Am I allowed to ask? Oh, yes, you may ask. No, <laughs> I'm not at all. And I have been doing a little bit of virtual dating because I find that when the con the discourse on an app gets um, particularly sparkly and witty and lovely, I do want to graduate to something a little bit more. And you can't sustain that sort of sparkly flirtation without actually seeing somebody for goodness knows how long until we're out of lockdown. So I have been graduating virtually and I've had a couple of virtual dates and the most curious things happen. Like I find that I'm compelled to spritz perfume before I go on. And I know perfectly well that they can't smell me, but it informs my psychology. I mean, right down to my toes. It's most extraordinary. I don't subscribe to this thing of, oh, well, they can only see my shoulders, so I'll 
do it in my knickers. I just <laughs> won't do that. So I have to be suited and booted. Is there a format it, to the date? Do you just sort a, of like meet up and chat, or do you do you just like go right? Let's pretend we're at the theatre. Oh, I've run the gamut from playing games. In fact, the most wonderful invention is that I sort of do a desert island discs with them because the joy of dating in your own home which you don't have if you're out at a restaurant is that you're in charge of the music choices so i said to my device i won't name it but i said to my device will you play piaf for my potential paramour and then i'll play a piaf song and then i'll say why don't you play something to me that resonates with you and we'll take it in turns and on the last one he played some bowie and he played a little bit of Joni Mitchell. I played him some P.F. and some Ella Fitzgerald. And then we explained why. And just like on Desert Island Discs, where you get this lovely sort of portal into their memory bank that you wouldn't otherwise have got because of the wonderful kind of connections and how it makes the synapses pop, I got this wonderful trip into his mind and it was lovely. It was really fascinating. I think we're going to have a sequel, actually. <gasps> Do we have to buy a hat? Is there going to be like a Tinder online <laughs> wedding? Well, I don't know. It's a little premature to say, but I am a huge cheerleader and I'm hugely hortatory of the digital date. It does work extremely well. It's about finding the advantages. And also, I always think that your first date should be a kind of, a different kind of flirting. It should be a sort of intellectual flirting. It should be all to do with trying to stimulate their grey matter. And if you can do that with sort of wit and sparkle and a lovely kind of flare of that naughty anthracite twinkle in your eyes, all of which can be done very successfully from the clavicle up, then you're on to a winner. And then I have a trick too. It's what I call... The three eyes, which is indication, invitation, and initiation. Indication is when you hold the gaze slightly longer, just a nanosecond longer than is natural before you seductively blink. That's their first clue. Invitation is doing something that you'd like them to do to you post-lockdown to yourself. My favorite of which is caress the clavicle. At a pinch, you could massage the mastoid, I suppose. And then <laughs> finally, uh, initiation. This is when you do something solid that can't be mistaken to confirm those clues are what they thought they were. So something like imparting a compliment. In life, it might be touching their knee, but uh, in the virtual world, it's normally a compliment. Heck, does that mean that we're drawing to a close? Yeah, we're going to do a quick fire round and then um, we'll all go and polish our floors with our slippers on. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, I'm going to send you some microfiber slippers. Oh, so have you got a machine gun volley for me? Yes. So every week we ask um, our lovely guest, and you are the loveliest of all of them, uh, some quick fire oh, questions. My. So it might be the first word that comes into your head or the first sentence. Are we. It's... Oh, crumbs. I know. Okay. So are you ready? Thomas. Yes, consider me braced. <laughs> First of all, if you could be on any reality show that isn't your own, what would it be? 
Oh, Strictly Come Dancing. Oh, you'd be great on that. Um, oh, I just wish they did the polka, because that's like sprouting wings. <laughs> Next series, you can do the that one. Um, <laughs> would you like to do uh, presenting or acting? Oh, God, that's hard. Acting. Who is your most favourite celebrity you've ever, ever, ever met? Met? Yes. Uh, Angela Lansbury. <gasps> oh, Ooh. my God. Is that the one off Murder, She Wrote? Yes. Yeah. Oh, she's cracking. I met her at Gigi at the Open Air Theatre in the park. And um, I said to one of her entourage, who I didn't realise was her entourage, that's extraordinary that she's here because I was listening to Anyone Can Whistle this morning. And he said, oh, I must introduce you to your hero. So he introduced me and um, I said the same thing to her. And Anyone Can Whistle ran for nine days on Broadway, so you'd have to be a super fan. <laughs> and she said, my goodness, that's a blast from the past. Final question mm-hmm. that we ask every single week. I already Tom. know the answer to this. I've, yeah. I, I know as well. But Tom, are you happy? Yes, I am. I am very happy. Oh, thanks. Tom, you're just such a joy. You're a joy de vivre. Does that even make oh. sense? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a joy of life. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I love you guys. I really do. And you're such a tremendous duo you really are you You bounce off each other beautifully are your balls tingling oh he's the nicest man you've ever met he really is the nicest man and he's i told you he was clever didn't i yeah, and I feel after speaking to him that I've got a bit cleverer. <laughs> well, that's not necessarily true, babes. But no, nice I'm not all ab- no, no, I'm not having that. After this, I'm going to probably go and read a book um, if I can get my hands on one. I'll I'll probably order the Guardian. Is that what you do now? You read yes, the Guardian. We don't Guardian you? readers. I read the Guardian. Well, my boyfriend has a login to the Guardian. Oh, I'm like halfway to middle class. I mean, what's that? Lower middle class. Lower middle class. So, if class was a body, you'd be around the balls. I think a bit lower than the ball. Oh, so you're just sort of looking up like an eager dog, like a Rottweiler. Like, I think if I, like, open my... If I think if I was climbing a body as, like, a very small, minimised person and open my mouth, I might be able to lick a ball. But I'm not quite at the ball. So you're, like, a naughty borrower? Exactly that. And you... (laughs) You're barely up the first toenail. No, I'm, like... I'm, like, Stuart Little, just hanging around the ankles. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, I've enjoyed it today. It was nice having someone to talk to. Yeah, so if you wanted to find Tom Reed Wilson online, maybe on Instagram, how would you find him? I think he's at Tom Reed Wilson. And how about you, Stephen Bailey? What's yours? Oh, you know me. I hate to plug in a crisis, but I'm at Stephen Comedy on all platforms. And mine is and you... at 
Oh my god, I can't believe you interrupted my big like I was about to get thousands and thousands and thousands of social media subscribers. At Brennan Reese, at Brennan Reese, at Brennan Reese, at Brennan Reese. Uh, also, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends. Um, send them a link in the post, or you can get them to subscribe to it on iTunes or Spotify. But the main thing is give it five stars. Give it five stars, you tight bastard. Appreciate the podcast and this get five stars, I tell you. Oh my God, there's some right shit ones out there. I listened to one yesterday, but I'll tell you that once we've finished. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to be back next week, aren't we, Stephen? We've figured out a way to do it throughout the air. Um, We'll have another brilliant guest. So until then. Bye-bye.